Thursday and welcome to the Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products. When you visit the website, abotanicalcompany.com, use the code Colby Show, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, Colby Show to save yourself 15% off your online order. So again, the website, easy to navigate, abotanicalcompany.com, order online with Colby Show and save 15% off your order. Easy and safe pickup. So I'm really excited we're able to save you guys some money, uh, whether you're looking for CBD or Kratom or even the new Delta 8 capsules. Uh, check all those things out. If you're unfamiliar with the products, educate yourself on what they have available or give them a call, 405 458 9699. They're more than happy to talk to you and answer any questions you may have about what their products are and how they can benefit your daily life. So again, check them out, abotanicalcompany.com. Colby Show to save yourself 15% off your online order. So tonight we have the Home Depot College Football Award Show on ESPN. So I thought we would run through... Uh, the finalists for these awards um, give you my prediction of who wins as well as who I would pick to win, my winner. So uh, we can do that as well as uh, maybe get into the NFL weekend a little bit on today's show. By the way, tomorrow we're going to preview Alabama-Ohio State on Monday night, so I'm really excited about that as well. That's a fun game that, you know, I think as far as the Alabama side of things, we kind of have a good idea as to what we're going to get, right? They were consistent all year long. They played a full schedule. Um, you know, we, we kind of understand the good, bad, and ugly of Alabama. Not that there's much bad or ugly uh, with the Crimson Tide. But uh, for Ohio State, I think it's a really interesting conversation because there were so many people that picked Clemson to blow the Buckeyes out based on Ohio State's performance against Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship. And then I think on the flip side of that, there are people that, that maybe all of a sudden have gone the complete other way and really expect Ohio State to either uh, maybe play close or win against Alabama. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that that can't happen. I'm, I'm just saying like the, I think the opinion of the Buckeyes has really flipped uh, based on just the last two ball games, seeing the very low end against Northwestern and the very high end against Clemson. So we'll, get a, we'll have a conversation about Ohio State uh, and what to expect from the Buckeyes as they get ready for this uh, game against Alabama. And again, I mean, there are COVID issues. Obviously, Justin Fields' health is is an issue uh, to consider. But, uh, you know, all things, I, I think, being everybody being available, this is going to be a fun game. All right, so the College Football Awards tonight. Uh, just going through the list, uh, let's start with the Chuck Bednarik Award, which is the College Defensive Player of the Year. All right, so we'll start with the finalists. The finalists are Zaven Collins, linebacker Tulsa, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa out of Notre Dame, and Patrick Sertan, the second corner from Alabama. Uh, so real quick, I think Sertan's the best defensive back in the country. Um, the, the level of coverage matched with physicality uh, that he plays with, I, I'm just a big fan of the way Sertan plays. That said, I, I don't think he's, as far as this award goes, I, I, I wouldn't put him in the same category as Zaven Collins or Owusu Koromoa, who, I, who was the heart and soul of an Alabama defense that, uh, I mean, you watched Alabama. The, the defense was really good all year long, and I thought he was just kind of the guy that embodied who Notre Dame was, the identity, so to speak. Uh, a lot like maybe Manti Teo years back. I mean, I, I think if you're, if you're just picking one guy off Notre Dame's roster – uh, that that's the guy. All that to say, I think Zaven Collins should win the award. If if I were picking this award, Zaven Collins would be the defensive player of the year. Not only was he consistent all season, but the guy just made big plays, game-winning plays when games were on the line. 
Sometimes in college football, I think it's tough to really measure how good a defensive player is. And sure, we can look at you know some of the statistical categories like tackles or sacks or interceptions. Um, you know, for a defensive player, I feel like that only tells one part of the story. Um, it's it's just one of those situations where um, a defensive player's dominance, I don't think, can be captured in statistics like an offensive player's dominance can. I mean, if, if a quarterback is dominant or a running back is dominant, it's going to show up on the stat sheet. A defensive player can be dominant, and I'm not saying that it the stat sheet can show that. I mean, if you have 25 sacks, you have 25 sacks. Um, but I, I don't think, I, I think it's very possible in Dominican Sue, for example, to completely dominate defensively, and it doesn't just translate in the box score. So, um, sometimes it's hard to really gauge like how good defensive players are. That said, for Zaven Collins, 54 tackles, uh, 11 and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, four interceptions, two forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, and a safety in eight games. I think the statistics here kind of show the value of who Zaven Collins is for Tulsa. He does everything. He's good in the run game. He's good in the pass game. He's just all over the field. And when you watch Tulsa play, I mean, that's the guy that stands out on top of the fact that, again, sometimes you're not able to see guys and, and how they impact the game, maybe. Zayvon Collins actually made game-winning plays for Tulsa. So, to me, this is a no-brainer. I, I think Zayvon Collins should be the winner of the Bednarik Award, college football's Defensive Player of the Year. If I had to, if I had to guess who wins it, um, or bet on who wins it, I think it's going to go to Owusu Koromoa. Again, Notre Dame defensively was really good all year long. Much bigger brand. They're going to get credit for playing a better schedule, and you know, I, I think he is. He, he's on my All American team. I mean, I think both these guys are, are two of my three linebackers. Um, I would go Collins, but I think just you know playing for Notre Dame and maybe playing a Power Five schedule gives uh, Koromoa the advantage. But, um, yeah, I, I, I would go Collins. I think Owusu Koromoa wins it. All right, Belitnikov Award. This is one that's kind of interesting, um, not not because we don't know who's going to win it. Uh, that's a no-brainer. It's going to be the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, as the Belitnikov Award winner as well. But the finalist, um, Devontae Smith, Alabama, Elijah Moore, Ole Miss, both deserving. The third finalist for the outstanding receiver in college football is Kyle Pitts, um, which, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting conversation to have because they have an award that we're going to talk about in a minute called the Mackey Award that goes to the nation's best tight end. Uh, so I don't know exactly, I guess, why he's also up for the Bolitnikoff Award because they're, you know, he plays a different position. If, if you're going to tell me that this award isn't for receivers and it's just for the best pass catcher in college football, um, you know, the pass catch, best pass-catching threat in college football, then I would say I absolutely believe Kyle Pitts is one of the three best at, at doing what he does. So, um, you know, I, I always felt like this was a receiver award. I kind of assumed that only receivers were eligible to win it, but the finalists are Devontae Smith, Elijah Moore, and Kyle Pitts. And while Kyle Pitts is a no-brainer to win the Mackey, um, I don't know that, Again, I, I just don't know that he should probably be in this conversation. But uh, if you just want to tell me that, it, like, if they were to get rid of both of these awards, 
the Blitnikoff and the Mackey and just go with one award that was a best pass catcher award, then he should be a top three finalist. But um, maybe maybe somebody else should have been given more consideration for that spot, seeing as how there is a Mackey award. So uh, Devontae Smith is your no-brainer winner here. Um, I would pick Devontae Smith, and I think Devontae Smith will win. Okay, the next two awards, I'm not actually going to pick, um, and I'll tell you why. Lou Groza Award, Ray Guy Award. I would be lying to you if I said I had dedicated any time whatsoever over the course of the college football season to following and monitoring and tracking the best kickers in college football. Not that I don't know who these guys are, but like I just said, I've literally spent zero time following how many kicks these guys have made or the punt averages or any of that. So I'm not going to pretend to just name an award uh, for a guy that I I really, again, haven't followed at all whatsoever. Uh, So there you go. Hashtag, I'll just do this. Groza and the Ray Guy Award. Hashtag never kick. All right, our next award is the Maxwell Award, College Football Player of the Year. This is also one of these interesting ones because it almost seems like there have been years where it's like a consolation prize for the guy that doesn't win the Heisman Trophy. Like we want multiple players to feel like they're the best player in college football. So the guy that doesn't get the Heisman is going to get the Maxwell. Uh, and look, sometimes it's also the same guy. I'm not saying it's it's exclusively one way or the other. So your finalist for this award, Mac Jones, Alabama, Trevor Lawrence, Clemson, Devontae Smith, Alabama. I think it will be Devontae Smith. My pick would be Devontae Smith. So, I mean, if you felt one way about somebody winning the Heisman, I don't know how you can make the argument that somebody else should win the Maxwell. If I'm missing something, feel free to tweet me or whatever as far as the Maxwell Award and if there should be different consideration in any way than the Heisman Trophy. But uh, they're basically the same award to me. So I don't know why you would go any different unless you're just, again, trying to to spread the wealth or share the love. So Devontae Smith, I think, will win it. Devontae Smith, I think, should win it. Davey O'Brien National Quarterback Award. Um, Again, this is an interesting one. The three guys, first of all, I think are all deserving. Mac Jones, Alabama, Kyle Trask, Florida, Trevor Lawrence, Clemson. So I I talked about this before the Oklahoma-Florida game. I felt like Kyle Trask was just maybe one tier below the elite quarterbacks in college football. Not that he's a bad quarterback or anything like that. I just, I think when I watch Kyle Trask, I don't see him make as many tough or difficult throws as the other guys that we talk about with Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence and, and look, Justin Fields for that matter. Um, not to say that he's not a good quarterback and, and the numbers were off the charts this year. So I think even just from the number standpoint, he deserves to be one of the finalists here. But just watching him, I don't feel like he's he's in the same class as these other two guys. So then it becomes a two-man race for me, Mac Jones or Trevor Lawrence. And this is where the whole, like, games played conversation comes into play. I think in a normal year for me, if you're not available to your team every single time out, then, you know, I think that has to count for something. Not that that's the end-all, be-all. But in a close race, I think it certainly could be uh, a separator. Like I said, I don't think it should disqualify you if you didn't play all the games. 
in 2020, a year where, I mean, we had teams play four games, we had teams play six games, we had teams play eight or nine games, we had teams play 10 to 12 games. Nobody played the same amount of games. COVID was an issue. Um, you know, there were teams that, that had to cancel games, and then there were some opportunities where games weren't able to be made up. Um, so I, I think for me, in 2020, in a normal year, I would probably lean toward Mac Jones with this decision. Again, based on the fact that uh, he was just outstanding all year long, played every game. That said, you know, again, like I like Oklahoma didn't get to play West Virginia, for example. Um, so that's that's like one less game. Would we would we take one of the sooner players out of the conversation because they didn't get to play West Virginia because of COVID? Uh, so I, I think for me, Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in college football. He, he just does things every single week. And maybe this is a bad week to talk about it since he didn't uh, the last time he played. But I, I just I feel like I, I see Trevor Lawrence do things that nobody else in college football can do on a, on a regular basis as far as throwing the football and just um, how, how dangerous he is. Underrated runner, you know, that's also something that has to be accounted for when you play Clemson. So uh, in a normal year when it's this close, especially considering, you know, the numbers are drastically better for Mac Jones than they are for Trevor Lawrence, uh, I would probably go Mac Jones. But I will go for my pick. I will go Trevor Lawrence. I do think Mac Jones will win the award tonight. So Mac Jones will win it. I would go Trevor Lawrence as the best quarterback in college football. All right, Outland Trophy, the nation's most outstanding interior lineman. So the finalists are Liam Eichenberg, offensive tackle Notre Dame, Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle Alabama, Davion Nixon, defensive tackle Iowa. I think Eichenberg and Leatherwood are the two best tackles in college football. They are my first-team All-Americans. They're both outstanding players, and I thought all year long, Notre Dame and Alabama had the best two offensive lines. And so these are the best two players, I think, on the best two offensive lines in college football. Uh, so they they absolutely deserve to be there. Um, the guy for me, though, I think, uh, of this trio that stands out is Davion Nixon. This guy is an unbelievable talent. When you consider what he is as an interior defensive lineman, a 300-plus pound guy, and the athleticism and speed... And, like, he's a basketball player. I I don't know how many people are familiar with Davion Nixon, but he's a basketball player that's incredibly coordinated and athletic and quick. And, like, I'm just, I'm a huge fan of what this guy is. I think he's going to be a problem at the next level. He's a guy that is highlighted on my my wish list for the Dallas Cowboys. I think he's that good. Uh, So, for me, of these three guys, most outstanding interior defensive linemen, I think it's Davion Nixon. I, I think he is a, a special player, and uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he looks like at the next level. And, and look, he's one of those guys that I think probably gets into the NFL, and in two years, everybody's like, why the hell wasn't he drafted higher? Um, a lot like Aaron Donald. I mean, Aaron Donald was a, a guy, the year he came out of pit, that I was saying the same things about and absolutely fell in love with the more I was, I was watching him throughout this process. That's the way I feel about Davion Nixon. I I think he is that sort of special that he's going to be a problem at the next level. His quickness and athleticism for a guy that big. uh, It's just, it's so unique to see somebody that possesses that kind of athleticism at that size. So Davion Nixon would be my winner. 
if I had to guess who I think wins it, I'd probably go with Leatherwood. Um, again, Alabama, best best offensive line in the country. Um, he's, I, again, the best player on that offensive line. So I think the way it goes is Leatherwood wins it, but I would go Davion Nixon out of Iowa. All right, Paycom Jim Thorpe Award. Uh, this is another interesting one. And look, I would not have thought that these would be the three finalists, you know, maybe a month ago. Uh, but your finalists are Richie Grant, safety US, UCF. I about said U, U, USC. Uh, Richie Grant, safety UCF. Trayvon Merrig, safety TCU. Patrick Sertan, the second cornerback, Alabama. Talked a little bit about Sertan earlier. Um, I, I think he's the no-brainer winner. I mean, he, he's up for the Bednarik Award. He's one of the three finalists for the Bednarik Award, so I think it's a no-brainer he wins the Thorpe Award. Uh, but... I think there is a conversation to be had for Merrick. I thought Merrick was really good this season, made a bunch of big plays for TCU, uh, made a, you know, especially in like critical situations. I thought he was really good for them all year long. Uh, but Sertan, I think when you consider not only how good he is in coverage, but like I said earlier, with the physicality that he plays with, he's just, he's one of those guys that I, you just, you, you, watch him play and it's a position that you don't necessarily expect physicality from. So when it's there on top of the fact that he's an elite cover guy, um, I, I'm a big fan of Sertan. Like I just spoke about with Davion Nixon, another guy that I, I have highlighted as far as uh, the NFL draft and hoping my Dallas Cowboys maybe look in that direction. Doak Walker award nation's premier running back. The finalist our Travis Etienne, by the way, I think I said I want Sertan to win. I also think he will win if I if I miss that. Um, okay, so Doak Walker Award, nation's premier running back. Finalist, Travis Etienne, Clemson, Brees Hall, Iowa State, and Najee Harris, Alabama. So I think, once again, who I think will win and who I would pick to win are the same. I think it's Najee Harris both ways. Um, again, he finished fifth in the Heisman. Uh, ahead of obviously Brees Hall, who is a top ten finisher, uh, so yeah, I think I think he's going to win, and he would be my pick as well. He is just I, I think so versatile as a running back. He catches the ball out of the backfield, and I think in terms of just running with running over people, running around people, and making people miss, like he possesses all of those qualities as a running back. When you look at the the run of Alabama running backs over the last 10 years, you know, going back to Mark Ingram and Trent Richardson to Eddie Lacy and TJ Yeldon, Kenyon Drake, uh, Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs, uh, Damian Harris, who's now playing for the Patriots. Uh, who am I missing? Bo Scarborough. Like Alabama has had an incredible run of running backs over the last 10 years. Two Heisman winners. I honestly think that Najee Harris, as far as what they did in college, I think I would take Najee Harris second to only Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry was just a beast. Um, you know, obviously Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, I, I know Mark Ingram won the Heisman, but I always kind of felt like Trent Richardson was the more dynamic of those two guys at Alabama. Mark, it's you know, as far as their NFL career, obviously Mark Ingram has been terrific, and he's had a great NFL career. Um, I was just kind of felt like when I watched them, I felt like Alabama's offense looked better and more dynamic with Trent Richardson than it did when Mark Ingram was in the game. So, uh, you know, take that for what it's worth. But yeah, I think Najee Harris in that long line of great running backs that Alabama has had, I think I would put him number two as far as just the overall skill set and, you know, the ability, like I said, 
to run over somebody, run around somebody, or make somebody miss. He just he possesses all three of those qualities, which is just incredible. Um, so there you go. I, I think once again, my pick and who I think will win would be the same. I referenced this earlier, the Mackey Award, outstanding tight end in college football. Again, no-brainer. I think Kyle Pitts will win. Um, I would pick Kyle Pitts to win as well. But your finalists are Kyle Pitts, Florida, Jalen Weidermeyer, Texas A&M, and Charlie Kolar out of uh, Iowa State. Once again, it's amazing how far we've come as far as getting to the spread offense in college football and watching you know teams run these five wide receiver sets and teams playing with less physicality. And because of that, you know, I, I think there was a period of time where the tight end position seemed like it was in danger, not of becoming extinct, but just, you know, limited in the college game for sure. And we're seeing a lot of teams come back to the middle and become more balanced while the SEC is going more pass happy. You know, I feel like, uh, especially in the Big 12, we've seen them become more balanced. So um, the tight end position over the last couple of years in college football, I think, is a position that's that's gained more spotlight. Uh, certainly in the NFL draft, it's gained more spotlight. And I think we're also seeing just completely different players playing the position over the last five to ten years than we had ever before. Um, you know, not that there was never great athletes that played tight end, but... I feel like we're just seeing more great athletes play the tight end position than ever before. Uh, you know, it's a position that's valued now, uh, whereas maybe 10 years ago, it, it wasn't as much. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, you look at the college game and the tight ends that have come out and the tight ends that have had spotlights in college football uh, the last few seasons. And Charlie Kolar is absolutely deserving to of, of being a finalist. I think in, in maybe... Other years, he's a winner of this award. Uh, you know, it just so happens that I think he he ends up competing in 2020 against a guy that is as dynamic at the tight end position as anyone we've had, maybe going back to like Kellen Winslow. Um, and and certainly, I think Kyle Pitts is better than Kellen Winslow. But in terms of just having a guy that is that athletic at that position, um, and and just a, a problem as far as matchups go, every time he plays. Kyle Pitts is just special. I, I think he's he's probably the best tight end in college football over the last 20 years. So, you know, great season for Charlie, Charlie Kolar. I'm a huge fan of Charlie Kolar. Uh, obviously, we saw what he did against Oklahoma in the Big 12 Championship. The guy is a problem. Kyle Pitts is just another level of athleticism. So, there you go. Kyle Pitts for me, and I think Kyle Pitts will win tonight. Remington Trophy, most outstanding center in college football. So, this one's interesting because Creed Humphrey is not a finalist. I would have probably bet my left foot that Creed Humphrey would be one of the three finalists coming into the year. Um, that's not to say he's not deserving to be on here. I, I just, again, I think it's a position this year that's that's really deep and really talented. Landon Dickerson out of Alabama, Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa, and Josh Myers out of Ohio State. Um you know, all three of those guys were really good. Um, when you start looking at, at the NFL draft, like those are, are probably uh, first or second day guys at the next level. So, you know, again, I, I think sometimes that's also a position that doesn't get a lot of love uh, as far as the, the national spotlight. This happens to be a year where uh, maybe the center position is as deep as it's ever been or, or gets as much spotlight as it's ever uh, gotten. So there you go. Um I would pick, 
I pick Landon Dickerson to win the award, and I think he will win the award. Again, I think part of that is, you know, so much of the offensive line is the unit itself and how important, you know, one piece of that puzzle is to the overall product that you get. So, you know, sometimes I think uh, the individual and team awards kind of, especially for an offensive line, get put in the same conversation and, and you get why, because, you know, those guys have to work together and, you know, one changing out one guy can make all the difference in the world on, you know, the guy on the other side of the line of scrimmage's success. So, uh, there you go. So I Dickerson for me, and I think Dickerson will win the award. So, uh, coach of the year, by the way, I thought it was hilarious. Um, and I, I'm a big PFF fan, but I thought it was hilarious that PFF gave Dan Mullen their coach of the year award the other day. Um, Yikes. A four-loss season for the Florida Gators, and especially, I think, considering the way he handled himself after the bowl game. Dan Mullen getting that award to me is just a kind of mind-blowing handout there. But uh, anyway, if I had to pick one person, this is really tough because I feel like anytime you have a guy like Luke Fickle at, at a Cincinnati that just I mean, achieves on the level that that they did. I think he's got to be in the conversation. Uh, but for me, it's Matt Campbell. I mean, again, I think Matt Campbell has just, he's done such a great job at Iowa State. And I think just within the season, when you look at the way the season started for Iowa State, to go into conference championship weekend as the number seven team in the country, uh, I you know, they they are, they're a fun team. They were fun to watch all year. I think they represent the personality of Matt Campbell. So um, I would have a hard time going anywhere but Matt Campbell. But I do think there are several deserving coaches of that award in 2020. All right, so that is my picks for who I think should and will win the College Football Awards at tonight's Home Depot College Football Awards Ceremony on ESPN. By the way, my All-American team will be released tomorrow. So I will do that. Tune in tomorrow, and I will go through... Uh, the All-American team. And like I said with the Ray Guy and uh, Luke Rosa Awards, um, I'm not going to pick a kicker. So hashtag never kick in my fantasy football world. Uh, So no kickers on my All-American team that I'll release tomorrow. Uh, NFL weekend. I'm I'm really excited about six games over two days. Uh, The the all-day slate of games on Saturday and Sunday in a win-or-go-home situation is just, like, it is football heaven. And then you cap that off Monday night with the College Football National Championship. I'm so excited about uh, that three-day stretch of football uh, as we, you know, get closer and closer to the end of football for another year. The games, you know, I I said this with Aaron uh, yesterday. I really like the AFC games a lot more than the NFC games in this first weekend, the super wildcard weekend that we're about to watch. Um, and mostly just because I think from a from a competitive standpoint, not just within the game, but maybe, you know, going forward, I think all three games are super interesting. Um, you know, certainly with the, with the Cleveland-Pittsburgh game, Pittsburgh just face plants over the final however many games of the year and don't even look like the same team as they did a month ago. Meanwhile, you have... Arguably the best story in the NFL this year, the Cleveland Browns, also in a bad situation with COVID tests and everything else going into this game. I don't really know what to expect, but I can tell you this. 
Baker Mayfield in a playoff game, sign me up. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm really excited to see how Baker responds in a playoff game. And, you know, I think we all kind of evaluate him as being a guy that loves not only the spotlight, but loves to prove people wrong. And there's no better way to do that than in a winner go home situation. So um, that one kind of speaks for itself. But I think with the other two games, my favorite game of the weekend is the Ravens Titans. You know, that was obviously a game that was played last year. Huge upset. I don't think anybody expected the Ravens to lose a year ago. You know, these teams like to run the football, um, play tough defense. I, I'm excited for this one. This is my favorite game of the weekend. Derrick Henry versus Lamar Jackson. You've got the 2,000-yard rushers, former Heisman Trophy winners. Um, you know, both teams have dynamic pass catchers. Uh, you know, Corey Davis is a guy that I don't think is is probably appreciated as much as he, he should be. And A.J. Brown has become one of the premier receivers in the NFL. And then for the Ravens, you know, Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews, um, you know, everybody, I, don't have to, I don't have to talk about what those guys mean to that team, to anybody here. So that one's fun. And then look, I, I, the Bills and the Colts, I think, is a sneaky good game simply because I, I, I expect the Bills to win. And, and, you know, the whole Josh Allen story, uh, it's, it's terrific. But Indianapolis, a lot like Tennessee a year ago, just has that ability to run the football with Jonathan Taylor and play tough defense. And I think anytime you can run the football and play tough defense in the NFL, you have a chance. So I'm not expecting the Colts to win, but I also understand that because of the style they play, that gives them a chance to compete against anybody. So that to me is the sneaky good game of the weekend, the Bills and the Colts. And I'm really curious to see uh, if Indianapolis is able to you know, keep that game really close or, or ultimately pull off the upset. It wouldn't surprise me at all if the Colts ended up doing that. So, there. So yeah, I like the AFC games better than the NFC games. The NFC games, you know, Saints-Bears, for example, is um, not super appealing. I don't expect it's going to be a close game. That said, you know, the Saints, while I think they're probably the most complete team in the NFC, if you take away the quarterback position, I like the Saints better than anybody else. Unfortunately... You know, Drew Brees is not anywhere close to the same neighborhood as Aaron Rodgers in 2020. So I, I think there is separation uh, as far as that front goes. But I, I really like that Saints team. Seahawks-Rams, division game in the playoffs. I mean, anytime you have division rivals meeting up in the postseason, uh, it's, you know, I think you're going to get a good hard-fought game. Uh, Seattle is interesting because I, I feel like with their offense, they have the chance to beat anybody they play. I mean, Russell Wilson and then the two receivers with uh, with Lockett and Metcalf, I mean, they could beat anybody they play. But, you know, when you see how they finished the season, it's not been in spectacular fashion. And then the Rams, we don't even know what the quarterback situation is there. So, um, you know, that, that probably takes a little bit away as far as that matchup goes. Washington and Tampa, you know, the game itself... Chase Young against Tom Brady. You know, I know that's a kind of a storyline. You know, I think just in terms of the football that's going to be played, none of the three games from the NFC to me are as intriguing as the three AFC games. So there you go. Wildcard weekend in the NFL. As far as other sports news, I think we're all just kind of waiting for the NFL weekend to get here. Obviously, Monday night, College Football National Championship. So um, we'll preview that game tomorrow. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to look at the, the championship game from the Ohio State perspective, so tune in tomorrow for that. But when you consider, you know, the massive swing that was Ohio State 
in the Big Ten Championship against Northwestern. And then I had so many people tell me they thought Clemson was going to blow out Ohio State because of the Northwestern performance. And then to see them play their very best and now get to this point where I think people have completely gone to the other end of the spectrum and expect that Ohio State is going to give Alabama everything they want. Um, I, I, I'm just curious to get the Ohio State perspective on this matchup and just the drastic swing from, I think, playing their worst game of the season, perhaps, to their best game of the season. And, you know, maybe we get something kind of in the middle uh, as far as the matchup against Alabama. But they're dealing with COVID issues. Uh, the Justin Fields conversation about his health is obviously important. Uh, Trey Sermon has been outstanding for the Buckeyes. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a fun conversation as far as uh, getting ready to look at this game from Ohio State's perspective on tomorrow's show. Um, you know, what else? I, the NBA is going on, but I'm kind of hesitant to just cannonball into the NBA while we still have so much football going on. So uh, we do have a lot of fun stuff scheduled for the NBA this season. I'm just uh, not quite there as far as as jumping into the deep end yet with the NBA. So we'll get there. We'll get there for sure. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, whether it's CBD or Kratom or the new Delta 8 capsules. They have it all. You can check it out online, abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code ColbyShow, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, ColbyShow, to save 15% off your online order at abotanicalcompany.com. And, and look, if you have any questions, this is the, the cool thing about these people. They are all about helping you live a better life. If you have any questions at all about their products or how they can help you, call them, 405-458-9699, ask questions, and they would be more than happy to walk you through what they have and how it can benefit you. So um, great people, always wanting the best for those around them. I, I'm really excited uh, that, that we have become such good friends and glad that we can save you some money. Discount code Colby Show. 15% off your online order at abotanicalcompany.com. All right, um, I, I did want to, I forgot to mention this earlier, but I have been posting all of these videos basically as an archive on YouTube, uh, and I haven't really been promoting it, but I've had a few people recently asking me, like, if I miss the show, where can I watch it? So they're available on YouTube. Like I said, I haven't really been promoting it at all, uh, but if you want to go there, all the shows basically over the last, like, month and a half... I've just been uploading there after they're done streaming and uh, you can check it out that way. So uh, if you're not able to catch the live stream every day, that's another way you can actually go watch the show every day. Just search Colby Daniels on uh, YouTube and you can find it there. So anyway, I appreciate you guys checking out the podcast every day. Um, you know, for those that are watching the stream or for those that are listening to it, traditional podcast style, uh, you guys are all appreciated and uh, don't hesitate to reach out. I always love the interaction that's probably the, the one element of radio that I really, really miss uh, because, you know, th they're similar in so many ways. Obviously, talking sports is talking sports, less restrictions, uh, doing a podcast, and, and, you know, you're not a slave to the clock, obviously. Uh, but I think just the, the listener interaction when you're on live radio versus, you know, a podcast is, is the main thing that I miss. So don't ever hesitate to reach out and, and ask questions or comment about the things we talk about, uh, at Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter, Colby.Daniels on Instagram. I think if you search Colby Daniels media on Facebook, you can find me there as well. Uh, but I always love the interaction, love hearing from you guys. 
and, and love your feedback. So like I said, if you just want to comment on something we talk about during the show or um, you want to hear me talk about something specifically, then, then feel free to, uh, to hit me up and, and we'll do that. But again, you guys are appreciated and uh, it's, it's just so awesome and humbling that um, you guys are checking out the show every day. And I, I really, again, just, just appreciate it. So um, a lot to be thankful for as uh, we are rolling in 2021. Okay, that is it for today's episode. Uh, everybody have a great day. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Podcast is over.